0: The return of the Champions League knockout stage can mean only one thing. The match day edition of the Pod is also back. We'll discuss Liverpool's 2-0 victory over RB Leipzig thanks to a couple of slips. Surely that won't happen on the return to Anfield. Also, PSG absolutely hammer Barcelona once again. Kylian Mbappe is an absolute freak. We'll discuss that game and look ahead to the others this week as well. Porto host Juventus and we'll find out whether Michael Bridges can say the name of the team that hosts Borussia Dortmund. Also discuss Premier League, and there'll be the usual dribble in between. Hello and welcome to the match day edition of the Gagan Pod. Great to be with you as always. I'm Richard Bayliss. Joining me on the pod, Dave Wiener, John Aloisi, and Michael Bridges to recap and look forward to some Champions League action. Bridgie, first of all, to you, hello and welcome. Did you enjoy the return of the Champions League? It felt like it's been ages. It
1: was absolutely amazing, Rich. And you know what got me straight away? That music, the theme, the Champions League theme. It gets the, oh, the hairs tingling. It reminds me of the good
0: old days when I used to play. Because it's one thing if hairs stand on end, but when they're tingling, that's extra special, (laughs) John. Extra special. That is Champions League at its best. Did you have the same feeling, John, today?
2: Well, I never had the privilege to actually witness it live or actually play in the Champions League like Bridgie. But um, I do love that anthem I I love the Champions League uh, and and it's great that it's back and and it was an interesting morning because there was some bits of the game that we didn't think were going to happen especially the Barcelona game but the the Leipzig Liverpool game what an
0: intensity that was. So you think that Bridgie's got that over you but also Bridgie wasn't pitch side when Lucas Moura scored that goal to send Tottenham through his beloved Tottenham through to the final a couple of years ago you were you were 10 meters away John you got to own that bit.
2: Yeah, I will own that bit. Sorry, Bridgie. And I was the night before at Anfield to witness the 4-0 drubbing of Barcelona. And uh, they're the things that stand out for me in the Champions League, plus the Barcelona game that they beat uh, Paris Saint-Germain 6-1 La Remontada. Is that going to happen again, Dave?
3: No, and I've got neither of what you guys
0: got, but I've got a lot of hair, and I've got that on you, and there's a lot of tingling, so let's do this. <laughs> <laughs> well, and gonna, that's just your eyebrows. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to start uh, in Budapest, of all places. Um, Ferentz, and no, they're not in the competition, <laughs> but this was the neutral venue for RB Leipzig's home game, in inverted commas, uh, to Liverpool, a Liverpool side that have obviously been struggling a lot of late. But Bridgie, they were impressive, Today, in a really entertaining, upbeat game, both sides pressing each other to death, and ultimately, it was Liverpool that came out with a 2-0 win. I think you came out with a great line live, you said it was a press fest, it
1: got me excited, and that's exactly what it was. It was press fest in Budapest, and I'll never say that on air again, because <laughs> that was difficult. <laughs> I love it. And that, you know, it was very interesting, and it was a dangerous game by RB Leipzig, playing against a Firmino, a Mane, and a Salah, who... In the last couple of Premier League games, they've found themselves playing against a back five or a back four. They've had numbers in front of them. And against RB Leipzig, when they got the ball, it was one-on-one. And I'll tell you what, these are two of the best players in the world, in Mane and in
0: Salah, at one-on-one situations, and they capitalise hugely. Isn't it amazing? I mean, we saw, obviously, Salah and Mane score the two goals, but it goes to show that when you play whether it's high intensity, high press, and particularly man-on-man, John, you are always just one mistake away from disaster. Two mistakes, two goals down.
2: Yep, you are always one mistake away from disaster, and it, look, it was coming, because in the first half, you thought that Liverpool, they actually had their opportunities, they they didn't take them, but they were getting into good positions, especially Salah, and, and as soon as Liverpool won the ball, their first thought was play the ball forward, and you saw on the first goal, bad mistake by Zapita, giving the ball away in a dangerous area, and Salah made no mistake, but the second goal really stood out for me. You saw that they went man on man, yes, but normally you can have a little bit of cover from one of your non-ball side wing backs. They didn't have that and they virtually allowed Mane to have the whole width of the actual uh, halfway line one-on-one and all it needs is that ball over the top it misjudges the bounce or it, or it slips over and Mane's through and uh, Upper Carney went all the way in into the midfield onto Firmino and he didn't need to go in there so it must have been directions from Nagelsmann and they got caught out
0: the first game Upper Makana has played for RB Leipzig since signing for Bayern Munich, which will happen in the off-season. We were talking about it on air, and forgive us for not being completely across the detail, but simple question, Dave, how can this happen? How can he sign, apart from the fact that Bayern Munich just get all the good players from the Bundesliga, how is it possible that he could sign for them mid-season that way?
3: 42.5 million euros. It's not the first time they've done that, though, and Bayern have that history of whenever something big is coming up in the Bundesliga, they'll, they'll do something to distract a major rival. They did it with, I think it was Götze all those years ago uh, from from Borussia Dortmund. They've done it with Lewandowski. Um, technically, in terms of the contract situation, I'm not sure. In terms of his, he must have been coming up in in in, a, in the window that they can go and sign him. But it's <laughs> well, they're not looking for the the receipt in their pocket just yet because it wasn't you know it wasn't all on Upamecano. But um, I tell you what, I, I wonder, John and Bridgie. Were, were they exposed by some tactics by Nagelsmann in the sense that he has been hyped up, sort of the heir apparent to, to Jurgen Klopp, 20 years his junior, but did he get it wrong on this occasion and that overexposed Zuppermekano and, and the like on this occasion?
2: He got exposed. He, he did get it wrong. Look, I still think he's a top coach. I think he's uh, he's going to be one of the best in the world. If He's, he's already in the, the, that, that top yeah. echelon, really, when you think about uh, the coaches coming through and the coaches at that level. But this morning, they got exposed badly.
1: I said tactically, it's the first time I would question Nigglesman. I like what he does. I like what he's about. But to show the disrespect to Liverpool, who've got a fantastic front three, to leave them one-on-one, we said a half-time, John, they might change it to a back four. So then you've got an extra spare player that would sit in and and cover anything that went in behind, and it didn't happen.
2: I, I don't think it's a disrespect. Bridget, I think it's he's actually going and giving his players that confidence to say, "Look, we we can go man on man because I believe in you." So sometimes it's a risk v reward mm. because he th- he was thinking if we rob the balls in these areas and we steal the balls I- in good positions, we're going to create chances. And what they did do, they did actually create three clear cut chances. Allison saved them this morning, yeah, and they they'll, hit the post. The yeah. And and then also right at the end they could have had that that opportunity that they scored. So I wouldn't say
1: that um, he disrespected him. I just think it was too much of a risk. How does he sell that to his players in the second leg then? If he asks them to go and do the same job, if he if he's back in his philosophy, or do you think he'll change it? I don't think he will change it.
2: I actually think he has to uh, go that way because they need to actually go and win the game. So they need to take that risk again. What he can do to sell it to his players is say, look, if you don't misjudge this ball, Mm. you're clearing this on the second goal. If Sabisa doesn't give the ball away in this situation we're not conceding. Okay, we're going to concede chances but we're not going to concede clear-cut chances like we did in this game because they're two individual errors. And maybe
1: not send Upamakonu so deep to follow Firmino 30 yards deep. That I think he might change. Oh, it. Look,
0: there's no history of players slipping over at Anfield as well after <laughs> Mukiel and Klosterman <laughs> slipped this morning. It, it can't happen on the Anfield pitch you wouldn't have thought. Uh, you mentioned it very briefly there. That's big the fact that Alisson, he made a really good save at a crucial point just after halftime, Dave, it could just change that be that little spark Liverpool need because they haven't actually been that bad the last couple of games. They just make errors yeah. after large periods of dominance. So he's got a clean sheet. They go into a Merseyside derby. Not saying they're going to turn the whole thing around, but it's definitely something they needed. Yeah. They did. And look, this Champions League
3: return with the Merseyside derby off the back of it, if there was a chance just to try and almost find, you know, find that time chance to Find that intensity, find that, that momentum back for Liverpool. It was a great double header, And we mentioned they weren't terrible against Leicester until it all fell apart in that seven minutes of madness at the end. So there's still a lot there. And you almost feel like if they can ride this period and, and get through in the Champions League, still be well in the hunt for the top four, they're going to get players back. They're gonna, Whether Henderson gets persisted at, with the centre-back, at least then he'll have a bit more continuity in that position, but hopefully he can back, get back into midfield and then maybe they can strike. And as Klopp
0: said, they don't need a break, they're ready to go. And he's saying all the right things in the media to get them going forward. <laughs> it's the first time he's ever said that. One word answer from all three of you before we move on. You know that's impossible for me. Yep, you've already ruined it, Uh, but see if you can keep it to one word. Is this tie alive or dead? 2-0 back to Anfield, home comforts for Liverpool, alive or dead? Bridgie? Dead. John? Dead. Dave?
3: (laughs) Alive. Anfield hasn't been a fortress in the last few games.
0: I'm going to say alive for sure. We've seen amazing turnarounds in this competition alone over the past few years. Wouldn't write anybody off. Just a tiny point as well to make this morning about Salah. Salah. and he has
3: been criticised this year so much. Do you know he's got more goals already this year than he did last year? Twenty-four goals in all competitions compared to twenty-three last year. That's why you get paid the big box.
0: <laughs> do <laughs> I, He's been criticising that. Him that, is that. Is that <laughs> you
1: criticising him?
0: Let's let's be honest. You we all came out of <laughs> <with> my mouth. <laughs> I never criticise nobody. We we all pay to be here.
3: Ready to pop the question?
0: Let's move on to the other game at the New Camp. Now, this is one that's got a history of turnarounds. Famously, of course, La Remontada four years ago. We mentioned it plenty of times on air because Barcelona will need that type of turnaround after losing 4-1 to essentially Kylian Mbappe and PSG this morning. Mbappe scored three, John. He had just about everything with no Di Maria and no Neymar alongside him. You don't want to say it was a one-man performance because Verratti, for instance, was really good as well in midfield. But, jeez, he could carry any team in (laughs) world football, Mbappe.
2: Especially when they give him space like Barcelona did this morning. Look, Barcelona do play that way. They play in the opposition half. They dominate possession. um, But that played into Mbappe's hands. He was playing out on the left and he gave, I mentioned on air, Dest a bath, which he did. um, And um, he he just destroyed their defence. The thing that I I was surprised about, I was surprised PK came straight back into the starting 11. He's three months out with a knee injury. I thought it was unfair to put him in because he looked out of place in terms of no match rhythm, hardly any training rhythm. I think he's only trained a couple of days with the team.
1: And to put him in a big game like that. I think Shakira will have been keeping him fit, John, off the park. (laughs) Don't worry
0: about that. (laughs) What do you mean? It's been Valentine's <laughs> Day, Richard. Okay. Shirt
3: and Shakiri. <laughs> what?
0: <laughs> well, he hasn't been playing for Liverpool, so who knows what he's been up to? That's the the danger. That's for a
1: into the Shakira. <laughs> <laughs> That's brilliant.
0: Inside knowledge on the Gagan Pod. Mbappe got three after. Barcelona actually went ahead through a penalty. Now, I know the jury is split on this panel between Bridgie and Johnny as to whether or not that was actually a penalty because it looked like Frankie de Jong just tripped over his own legs. So, Dave, you have the deciding vote. Should that have been a penalty or not? I think once the referee gave it,
3: I don't think you could overturn it because as ridiculous as the – was it, well, given the benefit of the doubt and say he wasn't faking it, but there was contact afterwards and I think it was technically impossible to turn around –
1: but it was pretty soft. So why did you trip yourself up coming into the studio and try and simulate the same thing? Because
3: every you look at it and you go, it looked like it looked like exactly like he was trying to hammer it up. But then unfortunately the contact was made. So penalty one nil, Messi scores for the seventeenth straight season a year in the Champions League. Yeah, he's
0: been amazing, second highest scorer ever in the round of sixteen, but you think this is probably John where his run ends, certainly in this campaign. Is it potentially his last campaign for Barcelona full stop? Is the next leg his last appearance for them in this competition?
2: Look, I know that um, there's talk in Barcelona that Messi's waiting to see who the club president's going to be, see what uh, project they come forward with, but Messi wants to win. He wants to win Champions League, he wants to win La Liga titles, he wants to win as many trophies as possible before he retires. I can't see him winning the Champions League with this current Barcelona squad. I don't think they will have enough money to go buy players to go get a, a better squad for next season. I think it could be Messi's last uh, Champions League campaign with Barcelona. It's just where does he go? Does he go to PSG or does he go to Man- Manchester City?
3: Did you guys get the sense that, particularly with Mbappe being so imperious, that and Messi wasn't bad. But that it was a changing of the guard tonight, the, the the historic performance from Mbappe.
1: Well, it was definitely because he he stood up and he was accountable. Um, M- Messi has shown over the past that he's he's pulled Barcelona out. I think he had a very very good game. He was dropping deep. young De was making runs in behind, but he's just being outshone by. Somebody that is, you know, he's he's up there. Mbappe is chasing the world. They're, they're very different but similar yeah. players. Yeah, yeah they're, yeah, they're
2: different players, and and I think Mbappe is going to be an unbelievable player to watch in the coming years. That to see him develop his game because he's already one of the best in the world. He's only 22 years old. He's he's already his goal scoring uh, is unbelievable. But Messi's got how many goals? Mm. You know, we're we're talking about someone that's probably the best ever. Um, not changing of the guard yet. I will say that Mbappé is showing how good he is,
1: though. Getting into that realm. He's, he's got better yeah. players around him as well, Mbappé. John's taught on the yeah. defence of Barcelona. Mbappé and Acardi for me, led the line very well. He entertained Piquet and
0: Lenley and he allowed the other lads to, to have a better role, I believe, and play, play better. Yeah, with a lot of players out to PSG, others out of position, it's not like they had their number one side on the park, either – Quick question, because there are a lot of rumours, obviously, about Messi potentially going to PSG, but whether or not PSG can afford to have Mbappe, Neymar and Messi is another thing entirely. So, if you could only have two out of the three, gents, which two do you want? And Dave, I'll start with you this time. Which two?
3: I've gone silent. Um, No, I think you have to put your house on Mbappe and... I, I can't see. How does Messi go there and Neymar leave? It, it, it's, it's bizarre. I don't, see how, I don't see how we can go to PSG. This I don't is all see bizarre. You've can. never
1: answered a question. No, and you've,
3: because I can't, I've never I can't, can't that. fit it in. I can't see how they can actually do it. We're but, playing but, fantasy football. But though. yes, Mbappe, Mbappe and Messi you put them together. Imagine the runs that, that, that Messi can, can pick out with Mbappe. I mean, my goodness.
2: Yeah. So what's interesting is that uh, they, they're prioritising on Neymar actually signing before Mbappe, re-signing. And mm. I'll go, that's strange. Wouldn't you, like, go with uh, Mbappe first? Because Mbappe is much younger. I think
0: he's got much more left in him. They might, though, see Neymar as the hook to getting Messi there because Neymar said for a long time, I want to play with him again. I don't know whether Messi feels the same, but maybe they see that as a way well, to Well, then I'll
2: at. say, uh, instead of two out of the three, I think, all Three will be nice. Oh, well, that's not, well, <laughs> well, you're nice. just changing the rules of the <laughs> question, John. Is,
3: is Mbappe, is that signing Neymar first maybe a contingency just in case Mbappe's got eyes elsewhere? I, I've reckoned the Spanish press today headline will be goes to Barcelona for the first time, scores his first goals, sign of more things to come when he plays somewhere else
1: more often at Campbell. Real Madrid, yeah.
2: Uh, Real Madrid are either going to pick Mbappe or Haaland at the moment. Who would you go with? I would,
1: I would take Holland over um, Neymar at this moment in time. I'm not a big fan of Neymar, I've got to be honest. I don't like his antics on the floor. He goes down too easy.
0: Had enough. I can't even remember what this game was about. But one <laughs> word answer if I dare, this tie, PSG and Barcelona, alive or dead? This is definitely alive. Okay. John?
2: That was more than one word. Dead. So was yours.
0: <laughs> dead. Okay. Well, look, I'll, I'll say alive. You'd have to think though PSG are not just a different team but they're a different club from the one four years ago. they made the final last year you'd like to think mentally they're in a better place.
1: Herrera mentioned it in his interview after the
0: game he mentioned it it's on the players' minds they're vulnerable. All right. Well, let's let's find out about that. Now, we have obviously some games to look forward to in the Champions League, but also in the Premier League as well. Two midweek matches come your way on Thursday morning live and up to sport. A quick chat about both of these. Burnley are at home to Fulham. Uh, maybe not necessarily a game for the purists, but it could have huge ramifications, Dave, on the relegation scrap. Because if Fulham can win this, then they beat Sheffield United on the weekend – They play two games before Newcastle play any. They could be just one point from safety and dragging Newcastle in. What an incentive for them.
3: Yeah, amazing. I mean, Scott Parker, I think, has improved Fulham gradually over this course of the season. And um, they've got all the momentum in that battle. It's not a foregone conclusion that that is the bottom three siphoned off. And Bridgie, you, what, maybe three weeks ago on the game, said Newcastle are in big, big trouble, very worried. Things are not going the right way. If they can jag something from this game. I mean, Everton were...
1: Bizarrely poor in that game against Fulham, but extra time took their toll in the cup as well for them. Yeah. They looked underdone, but it still didn't mean that they could not be as dominant. Because I thought Fulham were magnificent. Yeah. So, what if they get something from these two games? Newcastle are looking over their shoulder, big time. They're looking over their shoulder already, Dave. That, even though the games haven't been played yet, they are looking over their shoulder. The fans know that. I've been reading all the forums; they are very, very worried.
0: Well, obviously, scoring goals against Burnley come at a premium. It's difficult to do, but a double for Josh Madger in that game against Everton means maybe Fulham now have got some confidence. And if anybody wants
1: to do something to hurt Newcastle United, it is the excellent yeah. man, Madger, who left Sunderland on the Netflix documentary. It was sad to see him go. I'll tell you what, he will have a bee in his bonnet to produce. Also, well,
0: then he's hurt both Newcastle and Sunderland <laughs> fans as well, so that'll be nice for him on his return uh, to London and the UK. Uh, the other match happening tomorrow morning, our time as we record this, John, Everton at home to Man City. So while Everton need to bounce back from that performance, can anybody stop City in the form they're on?
2: It doesn't look like it at the moment. I, they're so solid defensively. And you don't really talk about Pep Guardiola's teams being defensively so good, you know. But, uh, you know, first of all, the pair at the back with Diaz and Stones and then Laporte comes in. And, and it doesn't even seem like Diaz didn't even play because they were so good defensively. But I think it's because they're so good with the ball that it just takes a lot of pressure away from their defence. They just control the game. Then they pick off the opposition. And what they did to top them, they just, it looked easier against Tottenham.
0: I've been looking at the fantasy. I don't normally get anywhere near this far through the season still playing fantasy, but I noticed the other day after having a good match week with Gundogan as my captain, Gundogan as captain, everybody else had him as captain as well. So it didn't really pay off. But I'm wondering, Dave, is there a point soon when... Pep starts to rotate. We've seen it a little bit with Cancelo and a couple of the, the wider players, but someone like a Gunduan, for instance, those defensive players, they'll be so crucial on the run-in and in Europe. Do you think you'll start to tinker? I think you might have the luxury
3: to, because I, I honestly can't see, particularly if the teams around them keep dropping points on a real inconsistent level, uh, I think there's going to be breathing space. And um, I, I with John, not only can I not see them, I see them as so solid – they have the depth. The thing that blew my mind about the weekend win where Tottenham just looked like another, sorry, Bridgie, from another stratosphere, is this is, so no Aguero, no De Bruyne, no Fernandinho. I'm even going to say, and I know it's a long time, no David Silva, only in the sense that everyone asked before the season, how would they go replacing him? And no Diaz. Hello. And they've, made, they've swatted Tottenham away like Jose Mourinho's game plan was for the under sixes, which it was.
0: Amazing. Amazing. Yep, it's an amazing run of form. 16 games in all competitions, winning all of them. Can they do what Fulham did just a few days ago and swipe Everton aside? Now, in the Champions League, the next two fixtures in the round of 16 come to you from Portugal and Spain. Porto and Juventus is our feature game on Optus Sport. Neither of these sides doing particularly well domestically, Bridgie. Juve, obviously, in terms of players, personnel, history in this competition, probably have the edge. Do you think that will tell out over the two legs? I would think so, because last out in in the Champions League, it was a
1: 3-0 win over Barca. Juve looking fantastic, and domestically sitting fourth at the moment in Serie A, not not looking great. They're chasing the pack. They played Napoli. They got beat there, but when I watched the game, they had a lot of chances. They squandered a lot, so going into this one against Porto, who... Or second, um, what they've got five clean sheets, only conceded three goals in this tournament. But domestically, Porto having a nightmare for, uh, four draws, chasing Sporting seven points off them. I'm
0: seeing U V have got the upper hand in this one. How good's going back to the old four four two? Andrea Pirlo? well, it's kind of four two two two, but let's call it a four four two for fun. And Marata's been good in this competition, John. Ronaldo will always be a factor, and those two are kind of making up for the fact that dybala has been a little bit inconsistent. How do you judge where they're at?
2: Yeah, oh, look, I think Juventus have been quite good. I know they lost to Napoli on the weekend, but uh, defensively they've been uh, very solid. They're not conceding many goals, and they've always got that firepower going forward. You know, we all talk about Ronaldo. Ronaldo would have looked at today's game, saw Mbappe score a hat-trick and go, I don't want him taking all the limelight. <laughs> I need to come out tomorrow and, and, and start to prove it. Also back in Portugal, that that's a big factor, because he always loves playing back in Portugal, of course. And, uh, and I see that, I still think Juventus... They're going to be good. They're going to be... I don't know if they can challenge for the Champions League, but I think they've still got the personnel to actually really, uh, you know win this tie at least and then we'll see how, far, how deep they go in the competition but I do like the 442 it's it is a 442 defensively that's that block it's that old Saki block not much space they do press when they have to press but then in possession their wingers come inside mainly on one side Chiesa stays wide and Chiesa for me is phenomenal running at players 1v1 he's been the biggest highlight for me watching Juventus this year their best acquisition this season? Yeah, I think so. I think that uh, he's just shown his old man was brilliant. His old man was a striker. He played at my old club, Cremineza, then he moved on to Sampdoria and a few other clubs, uh, scored a lot of goals. is a little bit different. Uh, his son, he, he's more of a wider player, but can grab goals as well.
3: This will be interesting against Porto because I, I just think it's going to be such a tight game. Because the other thing is, with as much as you expect Perlow teams to come out purring, they're actually tough to beat. Mm. He's,
2: he's got that Let's defensive hope validity. it's not a score draw. Oh, no, uh, nil all draw. I no, don't
1: no, want no. it to be a uh, nil all John, draw. I never go for nil nil draws. Okay. It's always score draw. Score draw. 1 okay. 1, 2 2, 3 3, 4 4, 5 5. Do the maths. 1 0, Ronaldo <laughs> winner. He, and he
0: can go all the way to 10 if you ask him to. <laughs> Did you say purring on. Like Perlow? Is that. Are you sort of. Are you doing that on purpose, Andrea Perlo? Team purring. I mean, you are a journalist. I'd like to think there was a little bit of craft in that. Yeah, maybe I was purring with my words like Perlo. Uh, unlikely. Speaking of, actually, uh, Bridgie, why don't you uh, illuminate the listeners? Tell us who Borussia Dortmund are playing tomorrow. That pen. Sevilla. Ah, Sorry. very good. Very C- not <laughs> Sevilla. <laughs> no, Sevilla. not Sevilla. He's uh, had, a, had an issue over the years, but he's got it sorted. And Sevilla are indeed playing host to Borussia Dortmund. And they're very good defensively. And Lopatagi we know, over two legs. He'll have them set up pretty well. They know how to score, though, as well this season. Sitting not too bad. Fourth in the league at the moment, they look like really tough opponents for the German side.
1: They certainly do. And domestically, John will tell you the league form has been impressive. The amount of wins they've had, the clean sheets that they have had, and they've been scoring goals. And the one stat that stood out for me in the crossing department in the Champions League stats, they are leading with one hundred and thirty nine and a thirty two percent accuracy for crosses. And you go to, when they're playing Borussia Dortmund, they've only had 96 and a 14%, so you can see the difference in the styles and the dynamics. Dortmund will look for their quick counter-attack, they'll look to play the ball in behind Haaland. Sevilla, said it again correctly they'll <laughs> have that patient build up and when they get in the wide areas they'll be delivering so John why is that who's the strikers oh, that they're looking they, they, to pick out
2: they were playing with De Jong in the early stages of the Champions League he's very strong in the air they don't really have him playing at the moment they got got really, he's a Moroccan international he's a different sort of player he's he's tall but he's very quick and mobile and he's been scoring a lot of goals Sevilla are very strong I think it's a, it's a danger game for mm-hmm. Dortmund who are struggling in the Bundesliga there's talk about Marco is signed already for Dortmund for next season. Uh, Haaland on the way out. Talk about Real Madrid signing him. but that, That's always going to happen.
3: But if they don't get through this tie and they don't catch up the ground in Germany, that is that is that is the talking point straight out of this tie.
2: Yeah, it would be. That Haaland's going, you mean? Yeah. Yeah, you'd you, you think so. And look... Sancho. Uh, Another as one? Well. Yep. Yeah. Uh, look, they could get rid of a lot of players because they've got so many young, talented players. I'm looking forward to tomorrow because I want to see Haaland... Break down a very strong Sevilla defence and uh, another French international in Kunde at the back. They got so many. Uh, I just love the way will the, the f- French are producing their defenders. Will they
1: play a high line, savior they're, go- they're going to be smart. They're going to have to drop deep. They can't leave Haaland with a space, can they? Uh,
2: uh, as long as they put pressure on the ball that they can't pick out Haaland's uh, runs in behind. If they got pressure on the ball, which Lopetegui does like to do, Lopetegi's smart enough to know when they have to drop, they will drop. When they are pressing, they'll press high and make sure they got pressure on the ball.
3: And by the way, key man with all those crosses is Jesus Navas, who remember from the Premier League with Manchester City, who you probably thought was pretty... Past
0: it when he left City. He's uh, he's a real talisman for them as well. Yeah, still bombs on down the side. Uh, yeah, Ellen Azri and also yeah. Haaland, two proper traditional strikers in this one. Don't be surprised if you mention El Azri and also Kunde are no longer at Sevilla beyond this season, and so too, like you guys say, for Borussia Dortmund, if things don't go their way, geez, people will have an absolute feast yeah. going and buying their key players. So a lot of good players on show tomorrow morning in these two fixtures. And, and potentially Papa Gomez, who's
3: moved from Atalanta to Sevilla as well, because he Fill out with Gasparini, so
2: isn't that great that he can play? I thought that he, you know, the yeah, they rule, change that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's brilliant, and he's such a talent. And seeing him in that severe side because he he will find those pockets of space, you know, in between the lines, and and you you know that
0: he's got that final ball, and that's why they are scoring more mm. goals. Well, should be a great morning as always. Fantastic to see the knockout stages are back. Big advantages already for both Liverpool and in particular PSG from the first legs of their matches. And the next one's coming up, as we say, Sevilla at home to Dortmund and also Porto at home to Juventus. Uh, Michael Bridges, John Aloisi and Dave Weiner, thanks, guys, for your time. Always a pleasure. We might do it again after the next games, I reckon. Is that okay, Bridgie?
1: Absolutely. I love talking football, Rich, and I love talking to you guys and I love listening to the Pod. Oh, that's nice.
0: (laughs) Yeah, three days overdue after Valentine's Day, still dishing out the love, uh, Michael Bridges, and it's nicely appreciated. Thanks to the listeners out there as well. We do appreciate your time. We'll see you on the next edition of the Pod.